Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to the Karma You podcast. This is your host, Chloe Brotheridge. I'm a coach, a hypnotherapist, and I'm the author of The Anxiety Solution and Brave New Girl. And this podcast is all about helping you to become your calmest, happiest, and most confident self. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're having a good day and week, whatever you're up to today. I love thinking about what people are doing as they're listening to this podcast, like maybe you're on the loo, maybe you're on the bus or you're hanging out the washing, but yeah, whatever you're doing, I hope you're having a good day and I'm very happy to share this episode with you today. I've got Simon Alexander Ong on the podcast. He has a book out, it's actually coming out this Thursday, let me just double check the date, 21st of April. and you know, I read a lot of personal development books and books by coaches. And this one really did stand out to me. It's excellent, very, very interesting and entertaining and very useful and, and kind of new ideas. The book is called Energize. And in this conversation, we discussed what it means to focus on energy management over time management. Because I think time management has always been the thing that we've been told we have to yeah, time's the thing we've been told we have to manage, but actually what we really need to manage is our energy. Let's be honest. We've only got so much energy, so many resources in a day. And how can we, how can we manage our energy? How can we boost our energy? Simon shares about how he went from being a shy, introverted guy to now speaking on stages, speaking on TV and yeah, being at a very high level of what he's doing. And he shares his experience and journey with that. We talk about how to create a live vision board. And this is definitely something I'm going to be trying. Again, it was an idea I'd never heard before. So I was really intrigued to hear this. And it's something that you can incorporate into your life that I think is going to be incredibly powerful. And we delve into the real secret to energy that most people miss. You know, we think about things like sleep and what we're eating when it comes to energy. But Simon actually highlights this key factor that a lot of us are missing when it comes to our energy and how we can tune into that. So, so much in this episode. Can't wait for you to hear it. I'd love to know what you think. If you've enjoyed this, let me know on Instagram. It really does make my day when I get DMs from you guys telling me that you're listening and you're enjoying the episodes. You can find me at Chloe Brotheridge. And do share this with someone who maybe needs a boost in their energy or 
just a dose of positivity in their lives, this episode will leave you feeling more inspired and motivated. And yeah, please do share it with anyone that may need that in their lives today. I also want to let you know about a free resource that I've got available for you on my website. I made it for those of you who are stressed at work, who feel overwhelmed. Maybe you question your abilities at work. If you're struggling with work stress in any capacity, I made this free guide for you and you can download it at karma-u.com forward slash stress. So let's get into the episode with Simon Alexander on. Hi, Simon. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. How are you doing? Hey, Chloe. I'm doing fantastic. Thank you so much. And a pleasure to be on this show of yours. I am really looking forward to speaking to you. You've got this amazing new book out called Energize. And I have to say, I read a lot of self-help books and a lot of books by kind of coaches and yours really, really stood out to me. It's mm. really excellent. It's incredibly engaging. The, the use of stories and quotes and just, it's just so interesting. I have to say, like, I really hope people are going to listen to this podcast and buy the book because it really is excellent. So congratulations. Thank you. That, that means a lot to me, Chloe, coming from someone like yourself. So can you share a little bit about what it is that you do and how you got to where you are today? Sure. So I grew up in the southeast of England to Malaysian Chinese parents who immigrated here for uh, a better life. And I mistakenly believed growing up here that success was defined by my job title. And so it was always about being a banker, a doctor, a lawyer, or an accountant. So I ended up pursuing the route of being a banker. I graduated in the middle of 2007 and decided to start my career in the industry at what was probably the uh, the worst possible time, Chloe, to, to begin a year before the financial crisis took hold of the world. And while it was scary at the time to realize that your first job wasn't going to be there very soon because of what was happening, it was also a beautiful blessing in disguise because it kick-started for me the longest journey I believe we as humans make, the inches from my head to our hearts. And while admittedly, it is not the easiest of journeys, uh, it is the most important and fulfilling. And that led me to what I now get to do today, which is to coach those in leadership positions, uh, people from the likes of C-level executives, TV presenters, Michelin star chefs, and startup entrepreneurs speak at organizations and conferences, both here in the UK and abroad, and more recently have the opportunity to write my first book with Penguin. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. I just think this whole topic of energy is so pertinent right now. I think um, everyone that I speak to seems to be exhausted, lost their direction in life, fallen out of love with what they're doing. Not to mention, I suppose, things like long COVID, which has like made us mm. perhaps people that are struggling with that, you know, having a different relationship with their energy. Can you share a bit about, I, I guess one thing that was really interesting to me um, reading your book, this idea of how in the past, I think, maybe a few years ago, people were thinking about like time management, like how can we manage our time more effectively? And one of the things you talk about is actually energy management is perhaps mm. more important than that. Can you say a bit about that? Yeah, sure. So when we when we think about productivity, the first thing that comes to our mind by default is to be better time managers. Now, if we want to be more productive, we have to manage our time better. 
I think the big mistake if we focus exclusively on time management is that we assume that our energy is constant throughout the day. So when we look at our diary, we go, okay, I'm going to block out an hour to do this task. I'm going to block out two hours to do that. And we just start filling up our diaries with loads of meetings, social events, and tasks in our calendar without reflecting on, well, what is my energy going to be like at that time of the day that I scheduled that activity for? And so what I've discovered is that when people block out a hour or two hours in the diary at around four o'clock to go to, to the gym, what happens is that actually by the time they get to four o'clock, their energy is so low that they feel demotivated and they don't have the energy to actually make it to the gym. And so it never actually happens. This is where energy management comes in is by understanding how our energy operates in terms of, well, at what periods of the day do I feel higher in terms of my energy and lower in terms of my energy? And how therefore can I schedule my day around that knowledge? Because I think when we schedule our diary with that in mind, we're able to actually be more productive. Mm, yeah, it's really interesting. It's really interesting. I'm, um, yeah, have become very aware of energy myself. I'm having a really close friend who's got long COVID, who's trying to balance being exhausted with working. And I'm currently pregnant and realizing <laughs> that energy is not what it used to be. And really is it having to kind of like balance that and think about that in a different way. But mm. what, what made you write this book now? What were the sort of issues that you were seeing in your clients and the people that you work with that made you want to sort of focus on the topic of this book? Mm. There, there were a couple of contributors, I think, when I look back at deciding what I wanted to write about in my first book, Chloe. And the first experience was in the corporate world. So after Lehman Brothers, the first company I worked with fell into administration. The second job I moved into was, uh, was in a hedge fund as a junior trader. And now on the outside, it might sound glamorous that Simon is working for a hedge fund as a junior trader, but actually it wasn't that glamorous unless you were in a senior management position. I was essentially the T-boy of that office in London. I was doing all the operational work. I was in the office around six or seven in the morning and often not out of the office until 10 or 11 at night. During that time I was there, my physical energy was just being killed. I was getting insufficient sleep and rest. I wasn't exercising and I was surviving on junk food and takeaways. And so there was a moment in which I, I came back after a heavy few weeks in which I was completely drained of energy that my girlfriend at the time had a conversation with me the next day when I was in a more sober state uh, about what this job was doing to me. And it started to raise my own insight as to what was going wrong and, and the pain I was going through at that time. And it wasn't easy for me to talk about this with her because I grew up with this understanding that, you know, as a man, I should just man up, deal with it. This is how the industry works. And, you, you know, you've got to tough it out to survive. And so to be challenged to open myself up in, in this sort of way made me face some harsh realities because I was using alcohol and, and partying and binge watching TV uh, as a bit of escapism to, to escape the reality of actually where I was. And so being in that position of having zero energy, of not being able to even do the small things that could help me move forward and out of this scenario I was in made me realize the difference between being in that position and where I am today in which I get to wake up 
full of energy, excited by possibilities over limitations and about what can be rather than what can't. And the second thing is, as I started to make this transition from working for someone as a corporate employee to running my own business, I got many people from the audience coming up to me after I gave a keynote talk or uh, ran a workshop saying, Simon, I really enjoyed the energy you uh, you had on stage. And you know, if I had just a little bit of what you had in terms of your energy, I could go on to achieve so much. And it made me reflect, well, how did I get to this point where I'm just naturally energized, whether it's from my physical, my mental, my emotional, or spiritual side, that I'm in this beautiful position of being in flow in that I have a vision that I'm working towards, but I'm also grateful and content in the now. So that was the second thing. And the third was really observing. And you touched on this just now, Chloe, in terms of where the world has been in the last couple of years with the COVID pandemic gripping every every country around the world. And what I started to see with many clients is that they have been exhausted and tired, not because they're doing too much, but because they're running someone else's race. They're measuring their progress and definition of success against something that is determined by other people, whether that is their own parents, their friends, their colleagues, society. And because it's a race they can never win, that just makes us feel exhausted and tired because we're busy, but we're not really going anywhere. Mm. Does that link back to kind of not having a lot of control over your life? You know, is there something very tiring if you're not in control of what you like how you spend your time during the day or when you take a break or that sort of thing i suppose that could be very kind of draining in itself definitely i, I think in in some regards uh that does play a role for me i think it's more to do with that that sort of spiritual side you know are we really doing the work that makes us feel alive and, and brings us joy that actually allows us to express our full potential by playing to our strengths or are we actually hiding our potential, suppressing it because we're doing something that goes against who we are? And so from there, there is a bit of tension, a tension between what we're doing and actually what we're meant to be doing, given the unique gifts and talents we have. Yeah, it's, and I suppose that's not necessarily the, the thing that most people probably think of first or even <laughs> realize. I think you know, you do touch on things like sleep and eat and food. And mm. those are the sorts of things people naturally think of when they think of energy, I think, or like maybe exercise. Mm. But actually, there's a deeper aspect to it that you kind of delve into in the book, the, the more spiritual side that do, do with meaning and purpose and that sort of thing. Definitely. And it's something that I, I feel all of us embark on in this life. You, you know, even myself, Chloe, I, when I first started in the world of work, I was focused on the so-called career virtues, the company I was working for, the title I had, the money I earned, all the things that we would put on our CV. But then as I started to reflect on my own journey and what success meant to me and the impact I wanted to have in the world, that's when I shifted my energy away from those career virtues to what I would call legacy virtues, i.e. the impact I was having on the lives of other people. And the story I was writing that would hopefully go on to inspire after my life has finished. Yeah, it's so fascinating. So one one thing that I read in the book that really like struck me and I was like, oh my God, that's really powerful, was <laughs> stop treating your health as a side hustle. Mm. Stop treating your health as a side hustle. I was like, oh God, like I'm someone who does take quite good care of themselves, but 
I did start to think, hang on, am I treating this as something that I'm kind of like dabbling with? Am I, am I not really taking it that seriously? When actually, mm. and another thing, I'll just quote you again from the book. It's why the healthy person has many wishes while the sick person has just one. Mm. Mm. Can you, yeah, do you think that's what we're doing? We're kind of t- treating our health as like the side thing, not giving it the attention it really deserves. Totally. I think that when when many of us think about productivity, the first thing that gets sacrificed is our health. You know, we think that to be more productive, we have to be busier. We have to be in doing mode. And so to be in doing mode, I have to sacrifice sleep in order to get more done. I think it couldn't be further from the truth. It's that if we want to thrive and we have to, we have to remind ourselves that we're not in this for the short term. If you're doing something that you're passionate about, that brings meaning to your life, then this is something you're going to be doing for a very long time. And so if you want to be around a long time to serve people in a way that brings meaning to your life, you've got to stop making health a side hustle. You've got to make it part of your routine. You've got to make it a full-time hustle. Otherwise, you can't do the things you want to do in life. Once you've lost your health, you've lost the one thing you need to make progress in the things that matter most to you. We've seen this happen uh, in many people's lives during the COVID pandemic, and is why there is this term that has risen out of the back of the world, coming out from this and reopening again, called the Great Resignation. You know, people are resigning on mass from unfulfilling careers or jobs or work to focus on doing things that make them feel alive, but also that don't sacrifice their health in the process. They're starting to reflect on, one, am I where I want to be? And two, is this actually helping me in in, in terms of growing as an individual, or is it actually hurting me, both in in terms of my personal growth, but also my physical and mental health? I was really curious to know your thoughts on the great resignation. And I suppose for some people, that's going to be the right thing to do. They really do need to change their job and change their career. But I'm just thinking that for lots of people, it's not maybe going to be possible. I suppose not everyone can, you know, live their, I don't know, I don't, I don't want to say this, but maybe not everyone can go and kind of like live their dream and be an artist or, I don't know, be a life coach or something. Are there things people can do that don't involve having to change their career? You know, is it possible to tap into more of their, I don't know, their spiritual side or their meaning, you know, without changing jobs? Definitely. And and I think it goes back to the question of knowing what our purpose is, because I wouldn't recommend anybody to just quit your job and and jump into something if you haven't really thought thought about it. Because for many of us, as you said, Chloe, that isn't always possible because we have obligations, uh, we have other commitments that we have to think about. Now, for me, when I look at my journey, I didn't know my purpose from day one. And I think it's very rare for any of us to wake up one morning and go, I know exactly what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And this is where I'm going to channel all of my energy into. Unless it's a Hollywood film, it's very rare for, for this to happen. And I think what we should be doing instead is using the time that we've had to reflect over the last couple of years to simply ask ourselves, well, what am I most curious about right now? And how can I use some of this time to explore my curiosities more? Because through that process, I will arrive at understanding what I'm meant to do. And not to just resign for the sake of resigning, but actually think about what can I do in order to create a more comfortable bridge to get from where I am to where I could be by just following those those breadcrumbs of curiosity. 
I love that idea of of curiosity. I love that word and the kind of the whole idea of curiosity about it's it's kind of seems very gentle. It's kind of like just getting curious about what I'm interested in. It seems like a quite manageable thing. So I love that. I love that advice. Definitely. So there's there's a lot less pressure, I think, that, that comes with it. You know, if you think about well, what is my purpose? It can often put us off taking any action because we can use it as an excuse. Well, until I know what my purpose is, I'm not going to take any action because I'm still waiting to see what that idea is or what that path is for me. And if we use that as an excuse, we're not going to take any steps that are going to help us discover what it is. But if we just begin with the question, well, right now, what am I most curious about without being attached to whether it becomes the thing or not, but just saying, well, how can I explore some of that curiosity and see where it may lead, be open to opportunity, be open to the universe working in mysterious ways, then what happens is that that is ultimately what leads us to discovering what our purpose is. Yeah, I wonder if it can seem like a lot of pressure almost to think, right, I've got to find out what my purpose is. I've got to like perfectly nail this and then everything will become clear. But actually what you say there about actually giving things a try and taking action. Mm. It's like, we don't, we're not going to know what's right for us until we try things and explore and get curious. Mm. So yeah, I like, I like that idea because it kind of takes the pressure off thinking like, yeah, I've got to like discover what my purpose is. And yeah, it seems kind of overwhelming to me. I mean, Chloe, that's, that's how it works for me. You know, I didn't go straight from corporate career to coaching and speaking and writing. I was in the corporate career and on the side, after I finished working in the hedge fund, because I handed in my resignation letter when I realized it was just killing my health. And I deliberately focused on getting jobs within finance that were more nine to five. And that would give me the time on the weekend and after work to follow those curiosities. And that led me, first of all, to get into two different businesses because I was fascinated about the world of entrepreneurship. And those two businesses didn't work out, of course, because I'm doing something different now, but they taught me lessons I would not have learned otherwise if I wasn't involved in some of those early businesses. And from there, my next curiosity was, well, I've really enjoyed helping people. I've been the sort of person that people would come to when they had challenges and setbacks and things they wanted to run by someone, but I never thought I could earn an income from it. And so that became the next thing I became curious about. Then, as they say, the rest is history. I signed up to a weekend event to understand more about coaching as a skill. I then qualified in terms of my certifications at the coaching academy. And then from there, I started to follow more of my curiosities. You know, how can I start getting clients? How can I start making income from it? What if I tried speaking? And just being open to the journey without being attached to any particular outcome really helped me to navigate this to where I am today. This episode of the Karma You podcast is sponsored by Murad Skincare. Founded by Dr. Howard Murad, MD, Murad Skincare is a line of clinically proven cruelty-free products that meet the meticulous standards for safety, efficacy and care you'd expect from a doctor. And Murad have launched a podcast called Well Connected by Murad, which connects the dots between science and wellness. The first season of their podcast includes guest appearances from Charlotte Zoller, author of the Teen Vogue column Ask a Fat Girl, the budget nister herself, Tiffany Alish, with her financial wholeness checklist, and Dr. Maneeb Shah, Derm Doctor on TikTok who debunks viral skincare myths. Find the podcast Well Connected by Murad 
wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can also save 20% on Murad Skincare if you go to murad.co.uk or murad.com if you're in the States. Enter the code KARMAYU at checkout to save 20% and get free shipping on all orders over $60. So that code is KARMAYU, all in capitals, all one word, C-A-L-M-E-R-Y-O-U. I love that. I love that. It's interesting you say there about you know, having failed businesses. It's like you never hear about the failed businesses. We just see the successful person at the end, like the finished product. But I think so often when you speak to entrepreneurs and people doing interesting things, you know, there is often a journey to getting there and failures along the way or things that didn't, Mm. I don't even like the word failures, but, you know, things that don't work out or don't go as you you kind of expect. So, yeah, I think it's interesting to to highlight that. (laughs) You mentioned in the book, you, you kind of touch on, how you know now you're you're somebody that you know you you've spoken on tv you're obviously doing podcasts and working Mm. with you know lots of people lots of really interesting people but that you actually used to be quite shy yourself and introverted Mm. and you've actually been able to to kind of do these things and I'm I'm quite similar perhaps in that Mm. way that I've you know have been very shy and and socially anxious and now have got to a place where I can speak and <laughs> just about speak and 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 kind of do lots of things workshops in front of lots of people can you say a bit about your journey to do that and what were the things that helped you to, to kind of overcome that mm, definitely I mean for me it's uh it, it's been a big transition because anybody who who only knows me now and hasn't seen me grow up will often be surprised when I tell them I I was a very shy, introverted uh, Chinese boy. You know, I was very stereotypically Chinese in the sense that I was always focused on my academics. Uh, I was always focused on being top of the class, but I would never be that student who would raise my hand to want to speak in front of the room. I I would rather stay at the back and just make sure I got all the work done and and the teachers were happy. And and that was it. And I think that was also a result of the uh, focus within my family. They were very much focused on getting to the best schools and getting to the best university. And so all the free time outside of school was very much focused on tuition. You know, how can I learn another skill? How can I get better at particular subjects? And so I never really had that opportunity to develop my my social awareness skills until I, I got to university. And even though I was the only one from my secondary school to go to my university, which I thought was, uh, was going to be hard for me at the beginning, because for many of the students in my, in my second school, they at least knew one person that they were going to university with. So it made settling in a little easier. In hindsight, it was, it was great because when I was 17, I unfortunately lost my mom to, uh, to, to a tragic accident. Uh, and then you know, she fell into a coma. And then a few days after, we were told, uh, unfortunately, we lost her. And I wasn't ready to talk about that with, with anybody when I was at secondary school. And so in a way, starting fresh, not knowing anybody at university was kind of beneficial in some ways, because I felt like because nobody knew about my background, nobody knew about the young Simon, I had this chance to just connect with people in this new way without any family pressures around me because I was on my own in university. And so I think this really helped me to begin finding my voice when, when I had this chance to literally build everything from scratch. And I deliberately actually knowing that I wasn't as confident speaking in front of a crowd uh, and, and being that sort of person that would be happy in public arenas, 
I signed myself up to the University Drama Society because I knew that by signing myself up to the Drama Society, it would push me out of my comfort zone. I had to understand how to act alongside uh, other people. I had to then perform in front of an audience in a theater that I had to prepare months for. And I knew this would give me good training in being more comfortable in, in public environments. But when I started the corporate world, I didn't have much opportunity to, to develop that because a lot of that work was sitting in front of a screen and, and not really doing much public facing work. And so when I made the transition to become an entrepreneur, in some ways, I was also forced to do a lot of things I'd never done before. So I realized that if I was to make a success of the business, I had to be able to sell what I was doing. I had to be able to communicate what I was doing to a broader audience. And so shifting my focus away from what if they don't like me? What if they don't like what I have to say and nobody listens to? Well, how can I add value? How can I create a feeling in the audience that would make them walk away reflecting on what I said? So shifting away from me to them helped me to become more comfortable in a lot of the public work that I now do. How, how amazing to go and join the Drama Society. I'm, I'm really uh, <laughs> in awe of people that can do stuff like that, like I think improv, I think that's still like a, that would still be a barrier for me, like doing kind of improv acting. I think it's probably a sign that I should go and do it. But um, <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, so much of the confidence, it's about taking action and going outside of our comfort zone. And the fact mm. that you you kind of had to, in order to make a success of your business, you know, get good at speaking and mm. putting yourself out there and and it's unfortunately easy for us to stay in our comfort zone sometimes and and not challenge ourselves and the problem can kind of perpetuate itself and mm. you know this is coming from my own experience of for a long time not challenging myself and not thinking I, I was you know thinking I would literally die if I spoke mm. in public or something but obviously <laughs> you don't die you <laughs> survive and it gets easier the next time but Yes, there's, I think there's really something in challenging yourself and, and going outside of your comfort zone. Definitely. And it's interesting you you, you share about the uh, fear of public speaking, Chloe, because I remember, I, I found this ironic, actually. I was invited by Toastmasters to to, to run a, uh, a talk on how we can be better speakers, despite not having been involved in Toastmasters myself. And when I was researching for the talk I was about to deliver to members of the Toastmasters group, I came across a word called glossophobia, which I never heard of before, but it basically defines the fear of public speaking. And glossophobia in many surveys uh, has been identified as a far greater fear than the fear of death. And I, I wanted to address that because I, I was also in that sort of same position before when I didn't want to be in the public face, when I didn't want to be up on stage. But I think that just like Warren Buffett notes when he says that the only certificate I have in my office up on my wall is that from the uh, Dale Carnegie Institute of Public Speaking. Once we understand how to communicate in a way that adds value, then that is one of the best business skills that we can learn. Mm, definitely, definitely. I saw on your Instagram, this stood out to me, I actually screen grabbed it, something about, I hope I'm saying it right, pronoia. Mm. As in, I'm guessing that's a bit like the opposite of paranoia. Is that right? Definitely. Um, so can you show paranoia, what that is? Paranoia is this uh, feeling or belief that the world is out to get you, that you aren't meant to succeed and that you're a victim of whatever happens. And that can 
determine very much to an extent how we live our life through the choices, behaviors, and actions we take. But if we actually embrace a very different word, that of pronoia, which is the opposite of paranoia, in, in the sense that the universe is conspiring in your favor, that life is working for you and not against you, then the way you live life will be very different. And what you begin to understand is that when we experience this gift of life, all it is in a very simple way, is us living in the feeling of our thinking moment to moment to moment. And at any given moment, we have the power to choose a new thought over another. That is one of our greatest powers. And so if we do have this choice, why not choose to embrace pronoia, to embrace this belief that life is always working for us and not against us? Because when we do, we see events and experiences in a very different light. That setback suddenly becomes a lesson. That challenge suddenly becomes a fuel for that next level of your life. And that failure suddenly becomes exactly what we need in this moment. Such a powerful shift for our mindset to think of things in that way it's amazing it's very simple but very very powerful if we can start to think about the world wanting wanting us to succeed or conspiring mm. to help us as you say yeah I hope people will remember that and try to to hold on to that um I guess leading on to that you know I know again you, you talk about this in the book about having a, a positive vision of the future and why that is important, because I guess a lot of people listening to this, you know, maybe struggling with anxiety. And the main thing that's going on with anxiety is we're we're having a negative vision of the future. Very often we're imagining the worst We're we're thinking about all that could go wrong. Why is it important to actually have a positive vision of, of the future? For me, the simple answer on why it's important to have a positive vision for the future is that it awakens the greatest source of energy that there is inside of us. Because when you're excited about what is possible and what can be, then you suddenly awaken those dormant talents inside of you to start to make that possible. And for me, there's a bit of a paradox here, Chloe, because while it's important to have a positive vision of the future, we then, once we know and have some clarity on what that is, we've got to then put it to one side and focus on what we can do in the present moment. Because very often, I think this can create a bit of anxiety, is whether that vision is positive or negative. By thinking too much about the vision, we're not living in the present. We're living in this imagined scenario of what can be, but not really taking any action towards it. So once we've got some clarity on what it is, we've written it down, we've put the vision board together, and so then put it to one side and redirect your energy to what can I do today? Because what we do today is what determines where we arrive tomorrow. And so we've got to focus our energy on today because nobody knows what's going to happen tomorrow. I'm pretty sure nobody had in their business plan that COVID was going to be a business risk in early 2020. And so we've got to focus on the action today we can do. And then the next day, what can I do today that will move me a little bit more forward? And then the next day, always keeping in mind the context of our vision, but not being attached to it and open to everything at the same time. Is that, is that something you'd recommend people do to kind of write things down or have a vision board or is there anything specific around that that you would recommend people do? Definitely. I, I think writing things down is so powerful. I mean, there is a, there, there is a beautiful story I share in, in my book about an inspiring lady called Diana Chow. And in one of her TED Talks, she shared the statement that writing is humanity distilled into ink. 
writing is humanity distilled into ink. And the process of writing allows us to better understand ourselves. And, and that's why she shared that statement. And when we better understand ourselves, that is the beginning of true wisdom. So for me, writing things down allows us to reflect, but also to evaluate our thoughts in a way that we simply can't do if we leave it up in our heads. Because if we leave it up in our heads, we get caught in knots of overthinking. But if we can download that thought onto paper, we can then explore that thinking in a much more productive and meaningful way. And on the vision boards, for me, what I love to do, actually, Chloe, and, and it's an exercise I, I share in the book, is to deepen the emotional connection to any vision we have, is to have fun in experimenting with a real-life vision board. So if in your, in your vision board you have the idea of you driving a Tesla car, then why not book a test drive at your local Tesla dealership? Or in your vision board, if you have a picture of you living in a penthouse overlooking a park, why not book a couple of nights in an Airbnb with exactly that same specification to give your body and mind a feeling of what it would be like to actually be living your vision board now? I love that. I've never heard anyone talk about doing that, but that's such a good idea. I would like a Tesla. Maybe I will go and uh, <laughs> <laughs> book that uh, test drive. Yeah. So there's yeah, so many things that you could do to give yourself a little taste of mm. what that would be like. Yeah, I'm sure people can think about things for for their own lives and little steps that they could take. And it's almost like once you perhaps getting a taste of it, then you start to believe that it's possible for you because if something's just a picture or it can seem like just a faraway dream, but you're actually really bringing it into reality and and giving yourself a taste of it. And I can imagine that being very motivating and inspiring to to then go make it happen. Definitely. And I, I think you, you hit the nail on the head there, Chloe. I think the purpose of a real-life vision board is literally to give our conscious and subconscious the uh, belief that this can happen, that this is possible. The fact that you are in a Tesla right now driving the car, you can feel it, you can smell it. You, you, you're literally physically in a Tesla. So your mind is saying, well, this could be possible. I know what it now feels like to be driving this car, or I know what it now feels like to be living in this apartment overlooking, overlooking a park or whatever it is that is on your vision board. So that is the real purpose of a real life vision board is to flood your body and mind uh, with emotional intensity that this vision can be yours. I love it. I love it. Definitely going to think about that for myself later. <laughs> uh, other things that you do personally to energize yourself or to, to take care of your mental health, are there like a couple of things that you could share that you, that you like to incorporate into your day? Sure. So one of the things that I, I do every quarter and also that feeds into my day is I block out at least a week every quarter to do nothing. And it's to simply disconnect. Now, the frequency of that would change depending on my schedule. So if, for example, I'm, uh, I'm going to be taking part in a big event or I'm launching a book or a product or a new service, then I will have more of those in quick succession before uh, those few weeks ahead of the launch occurs. Now, the way that feeds into my days is to have more rest periods in my daily schedule, because so often we schedule our day with meetings and social events, but we don't actually schedule rest periods or me time. So one of the things I think listeners can take away is, well, when you look at your calendar, 
how can you start scheduling in me time as often as you schedule in your meetings and social events? Because once you start scheduling in me time, that's what makes you real. You're now blocking out time to be intentional with your day rather than letting the day own you. So that's what I do is every quarter, I have at least a week where I disconnect from work and uh, focus on spending quality time with my family, being a tourist in my own city. Uh, and each day I'm scheduling in periods of intentional rest, i.e. me time, in which I can do nothing, have a walk around the, uh, the roads around me outside to my local park, uh, do a bit of reading, uh, connect with somebody, but just do something that allows me to reset and rejuvenate. And I think second, what I do on a frequent basis is to write gratitude cards and notes. And I think that is a beautiful way to not only remind us of how connected we all are, but to elevate our mood and energy in that moment. And so if you are going through a period right now in which you don't particularly feel energized or in a good mood, doing this can actually bring huge amounts of benefit to your, to, to your feeling in this moment by writing a note to somebody to express your gratitude for what he or she has done for you. I love that. It's really, really lovely thing to do. And you can, yeah, imagine how that's going to make you feel better, the other person feel better. That person may then think, I'm going to write a gratitude note to somebody. And you can see how it would like spread outwards and be a really lovely thing. And yeah, the whole thing about like doing nothing, because I was going to ask you, like, mm. what, what does it look like to do nothing? I think sometimes people, we're so conditioned to be productive and mm. to be like, a lot of people that I work with have a have a problem with doing nothing or not being busy or like me time even can be something that we doesn't come naturally or doesn't feel like it's okay to do. But I love the idea of just scheduling it in and actually that you're actually taking, you know, four weeks a year just to do nothing and to, you know, mm. to recharge and and you know what what do you notice about that like how do you feel afterwards or do you do you see it as something that's like essential for your creativity and for you to be able to do a good job absolutely i think the the lesson we learn as we slow down is not only is slowing down the superpower but actually we begin to understand that silence is far from empty it's full of answers and that's where creativity is born that's where it blossoms and so when you look at anecdotes of where people have often had their greatest discoveries or breakthroughs, it has more often than not come from the moments when they've been away from their desk and just doing things that are not associated with work, whether it's Isaac Newton discovering gravity sitting under a tree and the apple falling on his head or Thomas Edison fishing with no baits and no one would disturb him, not even the fish or James Dyson putting himself in a room and just having reams of paper for him to sketch whatever came to his mind. I don't know if these anecdotes are true or not, but I think there is wisdom in the fact that they all weren't doing anything related to work at that time. They were trying to disconnect. And in those moments of silence and disconnection, they had those insights, those sparks of an idea in the same way that many of us do when we go on holiday. We go on holiday for a couple of weeks, taking our mind away from work. And then when we come back, we're flush with ideas. We're flush with thoughts on things that we want to do and push forward in that we wouldn't have had if we just continued in the everyday grind of things without taking that pause and break away from the business of it all. So we could really be missing out on a lot of insights and creative ideas mm. because we're just trying to like push through and not resting, we're not taking breaks. 
I guess the other common one people always say like in the shower like I always have my best ideas in the shower when I'm when I'm sort of relaxed or not you know on in work mode but yeah I hope people are gonna yeah take inspiration from that and think about how they can put stuff into their diary that's putting their me time into their diary and their downtime into the diary that's so so powerful yeah is there anything else that you want people to know I guess about this book or the work that you do um, any kind of final tips and then I'd love you to share about where people can find out more about you and buy your book and that sort of thing sure well I think the the final thing I, I would love to share is something that I was reminded of when I became a father for the first time in April 2020 just as the country was entering its first lockdown and it was it was a surreal moment Chloe because even though I was allowed to be there at, at the birth of our daughter as a partner to my wife I was only allowed in the recovery ward for one hour after after our child was delivered because they had to manage people being in a hospital at the height of this COVID pandemic and so they needed people to be out within an hour even though I was only there for, for those 60 minutes, when I held our daughter in my arms, I was reminded of the fact that we are, we are all a miracle. I mean, the fact that we were born, we have already won the greatest lottery there is going, the lottery of life. And I think the question that we have to keep asking ourselves is, what are we going to do with that winning ticket of ours? What are we going to do with that winning ticket of ours? Because there's only one ticket available, the one that we're holding, Many others haven't had the opportunity to get that gift of life. So powerful, so inspiring. Thank you so much for everything you shared. That's really, really beautiful thought to end with. Um, yeah, where can people find out more about you and, and buy your book and, and anything else you want to share about what you're up to, what you're offering? Sure. So I think the uh, best way to connect uh, is on Instagram or LinkedIn. Those are the two platforms I'm most active on. So if you're using LinkedIn, simply search Simon Alexander Ong and you should find me there. If you're on Instagram, then my handle is at Simon Alexander O. And if you would like to order a copy of the book, then head over to getenergizedbook.com. That is Energize with a Z. And you'll see all the details on there. That's brilliant. Thank you so much for everything you shared. It's really, really interesting. Chloe, thank you so much again for having me on your show. You have been listening to the Karma You podcast with me, Chloe Brotheridge. Don't forget you can download loads of freebies for anxiety and confidence at my website, karmayou.com. You can also find out about my app and my one-on-one sessions. Please do subscribe to this podcast in the Apple Podcast app. And if you have enjoyed it or found it helpful, please leave me a review. It makes a massive difference to helping the podcast get discovered by other people. And come on over and find me on Instagram. I'm hanging out there every day. You can find me at Chloe Brotheridge. Let me know what you thought of this episode. And please do share it with anyone who might need to hear this today. So I'm sending you loads of love and I hope you have a brilliant week ahead. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.